but I got I was really um, I went down into the city last on Monday. That was this Monday, yes. I'm like, I can't comprehend that for some reason. And it was such a powerful time. And I feel like the Lord had multiple things that he wanted to say. Um, I honestly, I, I just, again, I want to encourage us to begin to come into this alignment with what God's doing because he is really, New England is like right at the center of what God's doing. If Chuck Pierce didn't say it, four, five, six, seven times, God's eye is on New England. And I'm saying that because I, I believe that with all my heart. But when you get, you know, some of these, you know, we've prophesied things in this place that they prophesied just to, come on, just to get you, just to get me like, I know I'm not, I'm like, a, I'm going to be like a biting dog, like Caleb, right? Caleb, the biting dog, the one who won't give up on the promise, the one who wants his mountain at 80 years old. Hopefully it don't take me till 80. But here's the deal. I feel like the, the Spirit of God is really pulling us into this place where he, is, he wants to pull you into destiny right now. And, the, and, the, and the, they were talking about the divine turnaround, but I realize it's a word from a long time ago. It's a word from five years ago. But we have to believe that God is turning everything around, and we're going to get into this for an, in a minute that... What God's calling us to do is continue to wait. <laughs> I don't like that. How many like waiting? I don't like waiting. I really get impatient sometimes, and I want God to do it now. Come on. And I believe God is, things are already in motion, and I believe that the Holy Spirit is doing something incredible in our midst. But I continue to hear him say, wait and listen. Because how many know that waiting is not just not doing anything? Waiting's being patient and obedient at sometimes. You know, sometimes, you know, my heart is to like do a lot of different things, and you know, I'll have way too much time on my hands to plan things in a moment, just around the corner, you know. And so it's gonna be good because I'm excited for what the Lord's about to do. I'm excited for what he's doing already, but you should have faith to see what he's about to do ahead of you. Right? Because we stand together. And there was something that was prayed in, in the back room about coming together and believing God together. Listen, when we come into this place, all right, I'm encouraging you, wait on the Lord before you get here. What would happen if we waited on the Lord before we showed up at meetings that we were going to? And what if what if what what would what would happen if we all of a sudden were coming in absolute synchronization with what God's about to release on 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 the grounds of New England? And I'm so encouraged by some of the divine appointments that I see people around me that having and and you have to be full of faith tonight because I'm telling you God is wanting to increase our faith, but He's going to release the glory of God because we wait. Our call in this place is to host the presence of God. That's not coined by Bethel. It's not coined by anyone else. It's called we wait and we host the presence of God. Because why? Because we're hungry and we're coming together and there's people that are longing for God's presence to come and, and, and invade their lives. And if you're not longing for that, you're not leaving without it. No, really, because I, I feel like the... 
The Spirit of God is calling us and drawing us into a place. Listen, I, I realize that every move of God, Azusa Street started with who? An African-American man behind a pulpit with his head in there, believing that God's going to pour out his spirit in 1904, or no, 1906. It already happened in Wales. And we're believing for the, the third great awakening, and I believe we're in, the, we're in the very beginning of it, the very birthing, the infancy of what's about to happen. But we must continue to wait on the Lord. And so I'm going to just talk to you about waiting on glory, on the glory of God tonight. Because there is something that the Lord wants to release to us. He wants the fullness of, of everything that he is to come to our lives, but it's going to continue by waiting. And waiting first patiently. How many are patient? It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. Love is patient. Come on. I mean, love is patient. Like, we should be able to wait on the Lord and know that he's about to release something incredible on our lives, but we need to be patient. And I'll show you in Scripture right now. Exodus chapter 24. And you know the story. It's an ancient story. <laughs> it's where Moses is going up. And come on, they see that. They go into this revelatory place. They're on the mountain and they have people all with them and the elders and all this. And they see the glasses. They see the, the, the floor where they are. It's like sapphire. It's like they've stepped into an encounter. Except it's real. Exodus 24. You look at it later. But I'm just going to go through the story. And what's said is that Moses and Joshua are going up to the mountain of God. And in going up to the mountain, and ready? It's going to be a long wait. You know, they don't know that, but we know it because it's in history now, right? So it's going to be 40 days. And they wait for six days in front of the, come on, what Ezekiel saw in a sense. It was the, the movement and the thunder and the glory and the presence of God moving around the mountain. And they sat and waited before the Lord. I'm, come on, somebody. That's like... I don't know about you, but I don't know if I'd have the patience to just wait. See, because they, they heard the voice of the Lord, and, they, and the Lord said, come up, you two, and meet with me. And so, do you remember, Joshua, I forgot that Joshua was during, with him during the whole thing. But here's the deal. Now, Moses is called forth to come in, come into the glory, come into the presence. Now... You got a man on the side of a mountain waiting for 34 days. Did you remember that? Are you hearing what I'm saying? You have Joshua outside. Moses has now gone into the presence of God. Moses is now dwelling with God, and I don't know if he hears ting, 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 ting. I don't know what he hears, you know. That's what I, that's the noise I know from working with stones. But the reality is this, that some people want to stay outside the presence, right? The, the people down below, he said, Aaron, all you guys, go. Aaron, her, take the crew and go down because they didn't want to hear. They're like, God can talk to you. We don't want to hear. Let him deal with you and, and you can deal with us. I don't know if that's a good deal. 
But you have Joshua on the mountain waiting now. Did he, is he toast? Is Moses toast? Like, what is going on? Because what would you be thinking? You know, someone just, your, your leader just went into the cloud of God's presence, and we're waiting for 34 days for him to return. Someone would be hungry. Someone would be thirsty. Because it doesn't say that he had anything. It says that Moses and Joshua went up. And then they returned. <laughs> I'm saying this to say, look, there's going to be one thing. We have to wait patiently because it's not going to be. <laughs> Listen, God's going to transform the landscape of things if we wait. This is what I believe. I believe that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And as we wait upon the Lord, as we wait for him, there's a bunch of different things that waiting means. And I'm going to hit a few of those tonight. But the reality is, is that we, we wait. We're not going to wait for a social justice program. We're waiting for the presence of God. We're not waiting for all the answers to all the questions that we have. That What's going to fix America right now? Because God and God alone, God by himself, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, knows what's going to shift and change everything in America. He knows what will shift things in your own life. But the place where we are in a deficit is the place where we wait. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit wants us to understand this because he doesn't want us to go. Ready? Colossians says this, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, of the world, of the world. We're looking for worldly answers without heaven and then he ends with this statement and not according to christ because jesus has something completely different to say about the state of where we are and where we're going than we can understand without waiting number two we're going to wait expecting Listen, you should be encouraged tonight. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And what I'm telling you tonight is God wants us to wait expectantly, like Acts chapter 2. And I touched on this. I touch on it often. But here's Acts chapter 2. We have 500 people gathered somewhere, and they had just experienced Jesus ascending and giving them instructions, saying what? Saying, go and wait. Go and wait. Go and wait so that the promised one will come and he'll invade your life like you've never understood before. That's my own version. But this is what he said. He said, he spoke these words and then angels show up. <laughs> come on, it's a divine encounter. And heaven is witnessing everything. And you got the Lord who's resurrected, walking and telling them, listen, this is what you're going to do. This is the instruction. The Lord himself I'm yelling. I know. I love you. But the Lord himself is saying things, speaking things, and he's there in the flesh. 
And in being there in the flesh, he begins to give a simple instruction. Just wait. Just wait and watch what I'm going to do because what you're about to do, you can't do in your own strength. You need heaven. And you need heaven inside of you because you won't be able to do anything without heaven inside of you. Until I come, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the one that comes alongside you and in you, you won't be able to do a thing, not one thing. Because without me, you do nothing. Zero. Vacuum. And so there's something that he wants to show us in this that we, got, we must learn to wait. Ready? We're going to go back in time. We go to David. And David's like, we got to get the ark back to Jerusalem. So we're going to put it on a cart. Bad idea. Bad idea, someone dies. And then it goes to Obed-Edom's house and blesses everything that Obed-Edom. Imagine that. Home groups at our house. Yes, we have, we have the presence of God. Like, this is what every church wants, is the Ark of the Covenant in the midst. And this is what we want. This is what the goal is, that the presence of God would not be here in, a, in, in, in just this, this place. Right? But the Ark of God would be dwelling in his people. And that the life of God would back to Acts 2. Get on you in such a way that you live the life of Obed-Edom. Because what happened? Everything in Obed-Edom's house flourished. Like, he just dwelled and he had to tell the kids, don't touch the ark. You'll die. (laughs) Right? Do not touch the ark. It's not like, don't touch the television, don't touch the ark. (laughs) Right? Come on, this is crazy. This is so good. And the Holy Spirit is wanting us to see something because now it's not, it's, the problem was this. David thought, I just want to get it here quick. So if I put it on ox, which speaks of strength that's not spiritual, instead of the shoulders of men, because they were supposed to put the, the, the poles through the holes and carry the presence of God on men because it's always how God designed it, that the spirit of Jesus Christ would be on man, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that was there at creation when God blew his breath inside of us would dwell inside of us for all eternity and not be sucked out of us by a satanic influence. And I'm telling you, we think it's not going to cost one thing. And we think it's all free without struggle. But I'm telling you, sometimes God calls us to a place where we have a divine encounter with some place. I think of John Kilpatrick with the Brownsville Revival. Now, we could say what we want about any revival that happened, but the, the reality is there was someone that was hungry, and I remember him telling the story that he was sick of church. He's got this big church, and he's sick. Like, God, I don't want to do this anymore. If you don't come, I really don't want it. Like, he was done. And so here's what God's looking for. God's looking for a people that are just not content. 
to have it. Serve it my way. At Burger King, that's an old jingle. But God, the Holy Spirit is crying out for a people that will just intently engage with what he's doing. And that we will be expectant. Because here's what happened. They put the ark back up on men. And they walked the ark, the presence of God. Because what? The shoulder, if you're shouldering the presence, that's pretty close to your heart, isn't it? And this is where God wants to dwell, in your heart. And as they went to the temple, and God, and David prepared this place, it was like Obed-Edom was like, I don't, listen, you can take the ark, but I, I want a job. <laughs> Come on, and then he was what? A doorkeeper. He had access to the presence anytime he wanted. His family was blessed, and he continued to have access to God's presence at any given time. And I'd say that that's an old covenant version of what God wants to do in your life now. He wants you to continually have access and have expectancy that you can open the door because Jesus is the door and he's, he's the door of your heart that you go right to the place, the holy place, the only place where he dwells. The life of God dwells inside of you and you just have to open the door into his presence and acknowledge and expect that he's gonna come and begin to reveal himself to you. Number three, we wait longingly. <laughs> this is the only codependent relationship you're allowed to have is with Jesus. It's true. Because we want to be codependent on so many other things. And we like people that depend on us. But Jesus is saying this, come, all you who are weary. And heavy laden, come and take on my yoke. Because codependency is being dependent upon one who is way higher than you. And it's not, even, it's not even a fair partnership. Because when we give ourselves, when we yoke ourselves to him, we just run with the gospel. There's just not even a question. So who has the answer to what ails the world? It's only one person, that's Jesus. It's only one spirit. That's the spirit of Christ. It's only one. The Holy Ghost has the answer for everything. He will write a constitution. He will write a covenant to a nation. He will write things to a nation. And what happens is when man breaks covenant, then we lose, come on, something gets drawn back. Because God pulls his hand back because we walked away from covenant, not covenant walking away from us. It's interesting. I was listening to Dutch Sheets, and he was telling this story about about two giants being destroyed, and one of them was was the slavery issue in America. And he said that there was this this all of a sudden this young man began to cry out, and he began to weep and wail and moan. 
and he becomes one of his spiritual sons. But this young man became, the Lord gave uh, two men this burden. <laughs> and one was a slave, he come from a lineage of slaves, and the other one came from a lineage of slave owners. What I'm saying is, this has everything to what I said before about the, 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 the rod being broken. I feel like there's this powerful testimony. So both these young men got radically touched by heaven. Listen, <laughs> it's not going to be one thing that changes everything in America. It's going to be multiple areas of repentance and shift, and God will break the yokes over the whole entire nation if we step into alignment with that, that thing that needs to be broken. But the most powerful testimony of this whole thing is one found out that he was, his great-great-grandfather, great-great-great-grandfather was owned by the other young man who had the same burden. His great-great-grandfather. Talk about a picture of reconciliation. It's just ridiculous. It's just, God, you can't write that stuff. And the Spirit of God began to do this whole thing, and so they began to bring this, ke this kettle around the nation and began to pray. I'm listening to this testimony. I'm going, oh, my God. And the kettle was given to this young man by his grandfather and said, he said, I'm giving this to you, and this is where we used to, when we used to pray, we would put our prayers in this, not even, you know, writing them down. It was just the prayer bowl. And God began to do something amazing, and he began to bring these two together and they begin to go around and begin to intercede. And I believe it's just the seed of breaking down. It's not just the black-white thing. It's anything where injustices are in human society. God wants us to be sensitive to what he's saying. And he wants us to obey what he's saying. Is that not powerful? That was just crazy stuff. And it began to break and loosen some things in regions. And we have to wait and we have to be expectant that the Holy Spirit is really going to show up and tell us what to do. Because we think one way and God's saying, no, I have a better way. There's a way that seems right, and I continue to go back to the scripture because I think things are going to go a certain way, and God says, no, just throw that aside because I'm going to do it in a completely different manner. And don't think with your own mind and your own philosophies and your own warped vision of how things are about to happen. I'm telling you, God will come in and begin to annihilate our whole paradigm of what we think things look like if we're just open and we're waiting. You have to wait. You have to wait. You have to hear him. We don't just make stuff up. We don't get a good book that's going to teach us how to do it. And don't get me wrong, there's instructions. But I'm telling you, it's by the Spirit of God that you're going to hear the Lord. And by his word that we get instructions. And there's so many prophetic signs all over the earth that are showing that the glory of the Father is coming to the earth. So we want to be codependent. There becomes this huge longing in our heart. And he becomes more important than our pain, than our lack. He becomes more important than our gifts and our vision. Hello. 
right, hear me. This is important. He becomes more important than my gifts and my vision. He becomes more important than any place where I feel like I lack and I don't have it to, to do. I can't do it. No, you can't do it, and he can. He's just looking for a donkey to ride in on. I promise you. The next one is wait. I have a new word, wait. <laughs> but it's waiting what? Until there's a braiding together. And I'm, there's this word that's used. And though they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And it's a twisting and a binding. That's the word wait. What does that even look like? Like that, when I looked it up, and I'm like, twisting and binding? It's something that braids into the next. That's waiting. What does that mean? That means you're completely in union with Jesus Christ. That means that you are interwoven with what he's about to do. And because you're so intertwined in what God's about to do, you hear directly from him because when you wait, you begin to hear his DNA. And it, sh it shows me a clear picture of DNA. And his DNA overtakes your DNA, and you begin to hear, and you begin to know what he's about to do before he even does it. What about your thoughts becoming his thoughts? Can, is that possible? I don't mean that in high-minded ways. I mean when we know, when we have the mind of Christ, you're able to step into things that you never thought possible because you're hearing the Holy Spirit. And there's nothing that can defy what he's about to do because there's power on him. So there's power and anointing and glory on your life because he wants the latter and the former glory to come to your life in such a way that it's being poured out and we don't miss it. You're not going to miss it. He's waiting for you. And as I talked about a whisper last week, I'm telling you, we still need to wait for the whisper. Am I saying we're not ready to go anywhere? No, I'm telling you right now that God's trying to intertwine us and interweave us into his whole, his whole plan and purpose. And he's looking for us to come into synchronization with his DNA so that we live in this place that the life of God is all so intertwined into us that when we move, he's moving with us. Are you all right? Some of you look scared. true union of life with him is always supposed to be living with him in your essence, in the very person of who you are, right? You hear clear, the thoughts of God become your thoughts. Is that scary? That's scary if you can't hear God. I'm telling you, I'm not talking about some high-minded place where we go into this error I'm talking about hearing God clear. That you have the mind of Christ. That you're living out of the place where he's living through you and moving through you. And you know what he's going to do before he does it. Ever have that? I'll pray that you have that. Sometimes I just know what's about to happen before it happens. Is that a prophetic gift? I don't know what it is. All I know is I want to be close to God so when I hear him move next, I know where he's going and I follow. And this is what divine union is all about. 
that leads me to number five. It's called wait. <laughs> but it's spelled differently. It's called W-E-I-G-H-T. The wait. Because if we do all those things that I just said, exhorted you to do, right? If we begin to live with this longing inside of us, if we begin to live with this codependency inside of us, if we begin to, to live out of this place where his DNA is mingled into us and we're intertwined into his life, then we have this thing we call weight. And the weight is the glory. It's the kabod of God. How many want the kabod to show up in their house? Come on, in their, in their rooms, in this place. I'm believing God for the kabod. I'm believing and and there's something, it's, it's the weighty glory, but it's more than there's just the weighty glory. It's the authority of God. Did I read any scripture? Yeah, I did. I started with something, didn't I? Okay. I don't want to be called a heretic. He's not preaching. I'll give you something else. Genesis chapter 1. I'll give it to you in a minute. Well, I, we desire that the weighty glory and the weighty glory and the authority, because when we have the glory of God in our midst, there's authority. Do you understand that? There's the authority of God that comes with that. And that's what's going to transform the earth. That's how he uses you and I to transform things, because you begin to speak and pray, and things start happening. You begin to declare and decree things, and they begin to put things in motion. Remember what, I, remember what I said before about when you decree a thing, it's established. When we decree things, when we begin to speak things, be careful what you speak. Don't speak negative towards your, over your life. And when we live in the glory, when we begin to live in the presence, right? This is why when, when Ananias and Sapphira said, we gave everything. It was crazy because I was watching this on, the on some Bible thing on Netflix. It was scary. I was, I was kind of had, it was more graphic. It put the scare God, fight of God in me, I tell you. Because all of a sudden they start bleeding out of their eyes and all kinds of crazy graphic things. And I'm like, what is happening right now? They lied to the Holy Spirit. But this is what carried, what the apostles carried. This is what the last day church is to carry. That there's this weight that's supposed to be on your life. Not so that you can speak to people and that they die. But that you speak life and resurrection power comes to people's lives. And, and, but we listen, right? I was, I was doing a little more research on the first and second great awakening. And I realized that Finney, all of his messages were surrounded about not love. <laughs> Believe me, if he was here now preaching... We'd all be on the ground, probably. But what I'm saying is he talked about hell. He talked about judgment. He talked about all the things that we don't go near now. When's the last time you heard a message about hell? I might have to drum one up. No, I think it should be, you know, seriously. Why not? I might not leave encouraged. I know. We might leave and we'll repent, right? But this is how the whole awakenings began to flow and move because they, they realized that they were far from Jesus. And now we want to give butter crunch toast to everyone. No, I'm serious. If there's no juju love on it, we're all, we're missing it. Come on, smile. 
You're taking it way too seriously, some of you. Kabod glory. Genesis 1. It says that God hovered over the earth. Right? The presence, the Spirit of God hovered over the earth. And this is a picture of what God's doing. It's actually the word of how the bridegroom hovered over the bride. That's pretty intense something that was about to bring forth life and seed. And this is where we want to be. We want to allow the Lord to come in and hover over us. You know, if you look at the New Testament word for glory, it's a doxa. And I learned from Dr. Maloney that the doxa of God is the strong arm. It's the strength of God. It's the muscularity of God. It's his strength in our midst, because it be, when he does something, he begins to show himself. The mighty warrior, the mighty man. And so this word doxa, it comes, it comes in a few different ways, but it's, it's, it's speaking of this new dimension of glory that God wants us to step into. The glory of the Lord showed up with Mary, Right? It said that the, that the Spirit of God was hovering and was overshadowing her. It's the same word, doxa. It's the overshadowing. When Jesus was transformed at the mount, remember? It's the same word. It transformed his, his, the way he looked, the way he began to reveal himself. It changed him. And so this is where we go, we're going with this. And in, the new, in, and in Acts, after Jesus died, come on, it's still on the earth. And it came in the form of it overshadowed Peter. It wasn't his shadow that healed people, but it was the glory. It was the strength of God that was on his life. Well, how did, how did Peter get it? He got it by this. Wait. Go back to Acts chapter 2. He was waiting on the Lord. And there was something that was revealed in his life. It was the doxa. It was the glory of God that began to overshadow his life so that wherever he went, things would begin to happen, that the presence of God would change and transform things all around him because of the glory. Jesus was changed in the midst of the glory. Mary gave birth to a Savior in the midst of being transformed and overshadowed by the glory. It was the hovering of who God was. And the Lord began to speak to me about this. Listen, we need to let the bridegroom overshadow us. And he comes to a, a bride who's calling on him. <laughs> Can I get real with you for a moment? Gentlemen, <laughs> I'm going to go here. If we're looking for our bride to be intimate with us, what does it look like? It doesn't look like we just show up casually. Come on, somebody. 
There's a wooing that takes place. And the Holy Spirit's looking for those who are wooing, who are calling out. Come on, some of you are getting all uncomfortable and all, you know, you There's this place that God's trying to draw the church, and he's saying, come away. He's saying, come away and listen and wait. Come away so my glory can be revealed on your life. Come away so my presence can overshadow you. Come away so I can birth things inside of you. You're not looking to get, come on, impregnated with heaven, but you are going to get it if, you, if you're looking for Jesus. I promise you. And God wants to birth things inside of you, but he's looking for a, bri a bride that's ready and willing and able. Come on, he's looking for an available bride. And there's something that he has to do. So I just, you know, I was, again, I was back and I was looking at the first great awakening 1737, there was a prayer meeting on New Year's Day, New Year's Eve. And it was the Wesley brothers and 60 others, and the, the power of God was poured out. Now, what do I want? I want God to show up like he did in, in 1737. Let it be if it's coming that way. Am I dependent upon things looking like they looked like in the past? No, because that'll cause me to trip and stumble. But I do know this that anything that's happened that has changed the landscape of America or any other nation has come through the presence of God coming and invading. And they were with 60 other people and they waited till 3, 4 in the morning. I say that to people and they get like, my schedule, that doesn't work. It doesn't work in my schedule. But what if God says, do it? Like me. Like what if God just says, shut it down? Come and meet with me. Come on, I'm not, I'm not saying, because we try and squeeze God into our schedule. And I'm not, come on, and if you're in this room and this is not, <laughs> I feel like I get in trouble if I start saying stuff. <laughs> I'm not busting anyone's chops tonight because honestly, I'm just talking to us in general. I'm talking to myself. Miles, do I have control of your schedule right now? Or is it inconvenient for him to show up and decide, I'm going to nail you to the floor right now. You got six hours? <laughs> this is how I feel. I feel like God's about, he's requiring something from us. And it's not works. He's requiring you to be available so that when he does show up, it's not going to be a... <laughs> I'll stop. I'll stop. because It's not going to be... Something that just tickles us for a moment. Because when he's coming to do a transforming work in the region, in just, we'll just, here, just say here. <laughs> right? When he comes to do a transforming work here, what's it going to look like? Is it going to work with our schedules? Is it going to work with all our quirks and the things that we want to see things go in a certain way? Is it, is it going to be okay with my theology of how he works? Because I can promise you this, when he shows up, it's going to trash everything. And I think he's probably, I think it's probably going to look more like repentance, tears, and bloom, and then the power. 
because I don't think we know what, a, a, what even repentance even looks like. I'm, I'm convinced myself that I don't know what it looks like. In reality, I'm telling you, get ready. I'm telling you, get ready. Because there's nothing. It's, he's going to break it. I saw the rod being broken. I'm believing that God's going to break the rod of any oppression in any place in the region. I saw it snap. And I don't, usually co- I don't usually go into these things, but when I know it's the Lord and I know it's Jesus, I know something's about to happen. Something's about to break. And do we want to break under it? Or do we want to remember what Jesus said? fall on the rock we're going to fall before him because if he showed up right now right now I mean I know he's in this room but I mean if he really showed up in his glory and all his presence and all his majesty right now in this moment where would you have to go Remember Spider-Man. You ain't going nowhere. You're mine for three minutes. It'd be longer than three minutes. So here's what happened. These guys all gathered. I don't know where it was, but the Wesley brothers, Whitfield, and 60 other people they gathered together, and the new wine was poured out New Year's Eve into the morning. And every time they felt a wave stop, another wave came. And every time God began to relent, he came back for another rolling of people. And he came and rolled in on these people, and there was 60 of them. And it, you know, and it extended, probably extended the life of the first great awakening three more years. I don't know. What am I saying to you tonight? I'm saying to you tonight that every place where God began to show up in all his glory and all his presence, there was a people that gave themselves to it. And what I'm saying is we wait. What am I saying tonight? You have a timer and you can't leave till a certain time tonight? No. What I'm saying is make your life a lifestyle that begins to just wait upon the Lord. Like, I know, I know we all have schedules. I used to joke with one of my friends, yep, schedules, can't have a get-together. <laughs> this was long before I really got busy. Yep, schedules, I know. But Jesus is saying, am I in your schedule? Like, some of you have time right now. God's saying, wait. I'm about to reveal myself. Wait. I'm about to come with a lot of weight on your life. Wait. I'm really going to get heavy on you as you begin to wait and begin to travail and begin to go in close and begin to step in closer to my heart because you want to carry the Ark of the Covenant. You want to carry the very substance of who he is. All of us do. 
is what I believe. I believe there's things that the Lord wants to uh, reveal to us, even in these moments, but he's going to continue to brood over us. Come on, how many want the hovering of God? I want the hovering of God over this place, over every place that we set our foot, over my household, over my children. It was funny. It wasn't funny. Actually, I should read that. I won't read it. I'll just give you it in brief. Daniel sent me a covenant for the city, for the town of Bradford. It was a covenant for the first pastor in Bradford. And I guarantee you it's repetitive through all the... I, I, would, I would bet that it's repetitive through every place where they begin to plant churches. And the, and the covenant was this. God, we give our lives completely to you. We come under your lordship. We come under your covenant. We come under you and we give our children completely to that covenant. And we pray that us and our children would be under that forevermore. That we would be under no other lordship, no other tyranny, nothing else, but only one Lord. Can we pray that? That should be A1. That should be one. I'm giving you the, the cliff notes on that. But the reality is, this is what God says to us. Give ourselves completely to it. How much, do, how much do I want God to invade my life? Do I long for him to come and invade? Or is there division inside of me that's constantly fighting? Because that's what God wants to... I could hear it tonight, I promise you. I could hear it break. Is there division? Is there places that you, you, you trust the Lord, but then you come into this other place that he doesn't... He doesn't have that access to that. And no, God, I don't want to yield that. I don't want to give that over to you. And I always feel like I'm, like I, I feel like the Lord's saying deeply to me, to me personally, you need to obliterate everything that gets in the way of what I'm about to do because you will not survive. That's drastic, but that's the truth. I won't survive. My flesh won't survive what God's about to do if I don't yield everything. And I'm telling you, I feel the Holy Spirit that His, His Spirit wants to just overshadow us in such a way tonight that the strength of who He is is going to come in. And I'm not looking for anyone to come running for it. You do what you want. This place should be freedom. I shouldn't have to even dictate what happens. I mean, sometimes, yeah, we're going to pray for the sick. We're going to set free. We're going to, you know, release stuff. We're going to impart do whatever. But I feel like tonight God wants to release something over us as a corporate body. That you just take it. And it's this, this place where we wait. Where we learn to wait. That we're no longer impatient. That we're not Saul. Ready? Remember Saul. He was instructed by the prophet, don't go do that. Don't offer that sacrifice until I show up. This is, what, this is how serious it is. This is Old Testament, right? And I believe that the fear of the Lord, come on, it's the beginning of wisdom. So I want to just say this because I thought about this. Because all the time we want to just do stuff to get it done and to get the people around us. No, ministry in general. And, and, and we do it in our own lives to 
to pacify. And it's sin. Ooh, sorry. Not sorry. It's sin. It's disobedience to the Lord is sin. When I disobey the Lord, not my wife, when I disobey the Lord, God doesn't love it. Come on, he actually hates it. He despises it. Does he have grace to always forgive me and give me, come on, every, my mercies are new every morning. I'm, but I'm trying to bring us into a perspective. The Holy Spirit is looking for us to just be completely disengaged with the things that trip us up. And our lives are to, right? So Saul, we'll go back to the story to get. But Saul was in complete disobedience to what God was about to do. And he came and he said, The people are running away. They're starting to leave. I'm going to give the sacrifice anyway. How many know it was a bad idea? Yeah, because you read the book. But he says, He said in that, right? He said this. He said, today, the kingdom's ripped away from you. Just as he went to grab, come on, it was a prophetic act. He started to grab Samuel's robe, and it ripped. And it was a prophetic act. And he looked at him, and he said, today, this is gone. To you. This is gone. Like, it's only a matter of time. And, you, and what you have and what you've received by grace and what you've received because of the anointing on your life, it's getting pulled away because you don't, we don't listen. Lord, I'm, I'm really going to end it. Lord, I'm, you're all going to be like, I need to get saved. You hear where I'm going? Here's who we want to reflect. Because he went from that to, because I'm giving the kingdom to the one who's after my heart. And so the Saul ministry is the days of old. And God's looking for us to be living in a tabernacle, free, like David. Like David broke all the rules in a, lot, in a sense. With worship, his covenant that was given to him. And God wants to covenant fresh new things to you. He's got fresh new promises to you. He's got brand new things he wants to give to you. Yes, you have the, old, you have the new covenant. You have the covenant in Christ. I know that. I, I, I've got a degree. But what I'm saying tonight is he wants to give you a brand new covenant. He wants to release something brand new to you. Promises to you and to your children's children. And he's saying just wait because that's what David did. He sat in the wilderness and waited. And something came up against him and he took it down. And then something, he'd wait. And even when he was called to the front lines, he's like, I can't even use this guy's armor. Stand with me. God's going to be just begin to over, over, overshadow us tonight. little bit different tonight. It's okay. We 
want to just raise our hands with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. Lord, I thank you right now for Davidic people. I thank you, Lord, for a brand new covenant over each one of us. Fresh, new. I just see the Lord just wisping and breathing. and he's, he, It's almost like scrolls, but covenant is just powerful, powerful. Because it's promises that go and continue on throughout eternity. You know, he promised David that his lineage would be with the Savior. That the, the very one that would continue, that would set the whole world free would be in his lineage remember David and so he wants to work something inside of us and so the gospel is power his covenant is power his life is power and so God we give ourselves to you tonight we thank you thank you. We thank you for breakthrough. Lord, I thank you for breaking tonight. I thank you that the glory of Isaiah 61 is released over people tonight. Lord, I thank you that we are a people of covenant. Lord, we don't do one thing out of strength but Lord as we wait we wait patiently as we wait we wait longing as we wait we wait expectant as we wait we intertwine with you I thank you for divine reunion all over this room I thank you for complete grace to obey what you say I thank you for a, a release of the, the weight, the weighty glory of your presence in this place tonight over individuals that are hungry and longing for it. Lord, baptize us with a fresh new desire to seek, desire to grab hold of you, to, that your hand would come down and pull us up to where you are. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the weight of your presence in this place. I thank you that you're going to overcome us one day. You're just going to overcome us. <laughs> I thank you for that. I thank you for that. I thank you for freedom. I thank you for the ability to... the more ago.